Okay, so this morning I'm going to be talking about true friendship. So it's a subject we don't often talk about in church, but it's a subject which is very important to us all. So who remembers the 90s sitcom Friends? Anyone? Any hands up? Anyone willing to admit? So Friends was a series that ran, ran for 10 series, incredibly popular series. Um, it followed a group of six friends on their journey through life, for all the ups and downs, all the trials and tribulations, the tears, the, the joys, the humour, lots of humour involved. It was mainly a, mainly a comedy. But it was incredibly popular. Lots of people watched it, and in fact, it's so popular that actually there are things that have come out of Friends which are in our popular culture today. Uh, lots of things. And also, the, uh, the series itself is still being shown over and over and over again. So you haven't ever watched it. If you like, log into Netflix, it's all on Netflix. It's probably on lots of satellite TV uh, channels that you can tune into and watch reruns endlessly on repeat. Um, it's an interesting thing that it's so popular. I think it says a lot about who we are as a people. It says that actually, when we look at those people on screen, those six friends, actually we yearn for something. These six friends, you can see a picture there on the screen, they, they shared everything together. They all had the keys to the main apartment where uh, Monica and I think Rachel lived for a while. And they shared everything. They shared life together. They went to coffee together. They, they got divorced. They got married, some of them. They got, enjoyed each other's company every step of the way. And watching it, actually, we all want that. As a people, we all want that relationship, that type of connection with others go down life's journey with. So when we watched that, it explained some of the why it was so popular. It just encapsulated some of that demand, that desire that we have to want that relationship. Even the lyrics, I won't sing it because I'm terrible at singing. Um, even the lyrics, it comes out with, uh, it comes out with that kind of emphasis. So no one could ever uh, know me. No one could ever see me. Seems like you're the only one who knows what it's like to be me. Someone to face a day with, make it through all the rest with. Someone to always laugh with, even at my worst, I'm, and the best with you. I'll be there for you, even when the rain starts to pour. I'll be there for you, like I've been there before. I'll be there for you, because you're there for me too. Everything about that encapsulates friendship, and the importance of friendship, actually having someone to be there with you, and you there for them. And building strong, strong friendships is so crucial in today's society, it's so easy in the Facebook generation to not have deep friends. When you click the button to say, I want to be your friend, that doesn't really mean you're someone's friend. I hate to break it to you if you've got 300 friends on, on Facebook, but actually, that isn't necessarily what friendship is. That's just a button. That's just a like or a, a request. That's not building what it is to be, have a good friendship. And hopefully, um, during today's sermon, I'll, I'll kind of help teach you what true friendship is and, and how it can help you. So really, building those deep and meaningful friendships, like we had in, in the series Friends, is just so vitally important, and especially in, to say, society. So friendship can be a little bit wishy-washy. It can mean a lot of things. Like I said, it can mean I became a friend on Facebook, or you can be like my daughter Eloise, who spends most of her time coming back from pre uh, school saying, they're my best friend, they're my best friend, they're my best friend. She only has about 13 best friends. But it, 
it can mean quite a lot of things, but really what I want it to be is actually you've got close people around you that you're sharing life with. It's not really a subject that we talk about much in church. We talk about love a lot. We don't talk about friendship and real friendship, true friendship. But you see lots of, example of examples of it in the Bible. So you see David and Jonathan. You see Ruth and Naomi. Job and his friends when he was going through troubles. Um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. You see lots of examples of great friendships within the Bible. Now there are three types of friendship that uh, determine. So Aristotle came up with this. I wasn't going to argue with him, so I thought I'd go with it, the Greek philosopher. These three are on, on the screen there. So there's friendships of pleasure. So these are based on the kind of pursuit of pleasure together. Maybe you share hobbies with someone. Maybe you share interests, the delight in certain things, the delight of football, although probably not many people have got such a delight at the moment, although we did do well in the football. Um, the next one is the friendships of utility. So these are kind of friendships that are based on kind of mutual advantage, maybe a work colleague, something you work on together. So something like a business pas partner. And the final one is friendships what he calls friendships for the good. And I'm going to kind of relabel that in a minute, but these are based on mutual kind of admiration or respect and share, a sharing of um, goals and values um, that you work closely together to build each other up. Now, I, like I said, I'm going to relabel that to be spiritual friendships. So friendships where you're grounded in a mutual um, commitment to follow Jesus. If you're a Christian here today, I would consider that these are the types of friendships that we want to build. Now, that's not saying that the last one is the only valid friendship. Actually, friendships one and two, lots of friendships may start, might start there. But the deepest form of friendship is really the third one, and that's the one we want to aim for. So we really do, and we're lucky as Christians, to have that common goal, a shared purpose my daughter flouncing in a dress in front of me. <laughs> Nothing like distraction. Um, so, for, but, so in order for us to become who God wants us to be, he's put us into a community of believers where we do share a common goal, a common standard, a common commitment to follow Jesus. So we can be, become what he wants us to be. What we're called to be as Christians is to mature as a Christian, to become more Christ-like as each day passes. So when we co um, commit our lives to Jesus, and by the end of our life, we should be more Christ-like by the end of it. And that's our goal. And having friends along the way helps us to do that. Um, I'll come on to the passage, but it's the same passage that is often used in this context, that iron sharpens iron, that we are to sharpen each other in, in our walks in life. So he's put us here, not to be isolated, not to be on our own, to do it our own way, but to go together and to go as community. So it's important to just stand right now and say, what is friendship? Where does it come from? Why, why friendship? I've already said there's community here, but friendship is really an important concept. And it's really, friendship is from God and of God. God has been in a loving friendship for all eternity, within the Trinity. That's a really important thing that we don't get in other religious uh, settings and other um, religions. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have always loved one another. 
They've always been friends with one another. As a passage in John, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know does not love does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So that's one John four, seven and eight, and then verse sixteen. God by himself, if he was on his own, one being, cannot be love. You can learn to love, you can yearn to love, but you cannot love be love in itself because love requires an object. And within the Trinity, you have that. You have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all in loving community. So God really can have that attribute of love. He can offer love and he can receive love from each part of the Trinity. And that love and that relationship is within the um, creation itself. So you have always have that within um, the nature of God. So throughout the Bible, God often actually relates to his people as friends as well. You have that in several cases. So in um, Exodus 33, the Lord spoke to Moses as a man speaks to a friend. That's a kind of baffling thing when you think about it, God just having a friend, because the term friend just doesn't seem to carry the weight um, of God, what God relationship can have with us. Uh, he describes Abraham as my friend. And the greatest example is, of course, Jesus, when he comes and lives as a human amongst us, uh, when he did uh, live as a human amongst us, that he was a friend of sinners, that he was, had built and had deep relationships with those around him, his disciples, Mary, Martha, that he built friendships at that time. So you see, God is a God of friendship. If we read uh, from John's Gospel, verses, uh, if you actually want to go to it, it's John 15, verses 12 to 17. If you've got a Bible. So that's John 15, verses 12 to 17. This is Jesus talking directly to his disciples uh, at the Last Supper. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, and for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, so that you love one another. So you see here a great example of Jesus actually saying that his disciples were his friends, not his followers, not his servants, his friends, his true friends. And actually, as Christians, if you're a Christian here today, you can say the same thing, that we are friends of Jesus. And actually, Jesus lays down here that there's no greater thing that someone can do is than lay down his life for his friend. 
that sacrificial love, that ultimate love that you can show. So, and clearly in the gospel, then Jesus then enacts that and actually follows through and, and dies for his disciples and all of us as well. But why did he have show this loving fellowship? It wasn't actually for his friends at the end of the day. It was actually for his enemies as well as his friends. It was for everyone to restore creation. So an even bigger step of love. So God is a God of friendship. It's no surprise then that when we get to us, mere mortals, us human beings, that we also show some of those attributes. Because as it describes in Genesis, we are made in the image of God. Uh, in Genesis 2, uh, Genesis 1, sorry, 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, both male and female. And you can go back to Genesis and see what that relationship first was. If you look at Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, actually, you can see what God's intended from the very beginning. You can see that God created Adam first, and he said it was not very good for Adam to be alone. And at that point, he created Eve. And there was created friendship, community, the first marriage in in the Bible. We see that picture in Genesis 2 where they then live in the Garden of Eden in peace. And you see then the what happened when that was disrupted, when the serpent lied and um, Adam and Eve sinned against God and that relationship was broken. But you still see God's uh, loving nature, his friendship towards them. As he's walking through the wood and through the, through the garden, he says, where are you? You can sense the lo- like a longing for God to see his friends. It's something he would have done day by day, this walk with his friends, Adam and Eve. They were, he, he created them, but he had fellowship with them. And when that relationship was broken because of that first sin, he must have felt a heartache a terrible loss. Is he walking through? Where are you? He, he's God. He obviously knows where they are. But he still says, where are you? I can't see you. So he's a God that just does love. Because he's, we are made in his image, we then want relationship. We desire relationship. We want that community. But since the fall, sin has got in the way. In, it causes disruption, this dysfunction on relationships where we say something. Someone might go take it the wrong way and get uneasy. It's difficult to, to form friendships. It's difficult to find bonds with people. But the story didn't end, obviously. Jesus came, lived, died, rose again, so that we can now have relationships within the church, within the body of Christ. God's plan for salvation wasn't for us just to get right with God, which is very important, but it's actually so the vertical relationship. There's also the horizontal relationship, so we can be right with each other. So it's important for us to understand that salvation and the gospel wasn't just meant to restore 
this relationship, but also this with one another as well. So God made a way to restore that, but not just for himself, but with each other. So really what I've covered in the kind of short there is that friendship and love is from God and that we echo that uh, because we are made in the image of God. Just to get quite practical now in terms of what it means for us day to day, we obviously have to recognize we're not all the same people. We're all different. One of the biggest differences is we've got males and female, Adam and Eve, and we are created differently. And I'm going to make some massive generalizations here. Don't take this as just because I'm a man, I'm like this, and just because I'm a woman, I'm like this. But in typically, men are very task-oriented. We like to do things. We like to achieve things. And actually, to such an extent that sometimes we can work with someone for quite a few years, as men here, and not really know our colleagues that well. Maybe know the, the spare few details. Some of, us are, some of us might be really good at getting on um, better with some of our colleagues, but some of us you know, typically are, are much more task-oriented. Women, on the other hand, again, don't shoot me, um, usually like to chat a bit more and get to know each other a bit more. Um, and are typically happier than men to do this. Not necessarily with a task to do, but actually just naturally. That, again, that doesn't necessarily apply. So, but the important message is that actually both male and female need to work harder on deepening those friendships, making those friendships more Jesus-focused um, and um, not kind of just on the periphery. So men may find it a little bit more difficult, um, particularly in kind of today's society where men are meant to be much more self-reliant, much more um, just down to their own kind of abilities. They have to achieve things. So they don't want to rely on anything else. But we do need to understand that we need relationships with others and friendships with others to help us build ourselves up, to make us less dependent on ourselves and more dependent on God. And that way we can always have, not only just have companions, but have friends, friends as well. Um, women, generically, um, obviously those friendships that chat, you're probably better at than, than me, anyway, um, that has to be deepened as well. Not to say that that's bad. Also, there's a difference in um, different people's personalities. Now, some people are extroverts. Some people are introverts. Some people like being alone. Some people need to be with groups. Some uh, like to um, talk to people. Some people like to read. We're all different people, but I think one thing we all do need is friendship. We all, some of us will find it more difficult than others, but there, will, there should be and has to be one or two people who you call friends and are close to. It's really important to help develop those. There's also, within uh, the church of, and within um, society today, is there's a difference between marriage and friendship. So, 
In a, an essay uh, on friendship, C.S. Lewis points out that while lovers can often be seen face-to-face, delighting in one another, the characteristic pose of friends is side-by-side, shoulder-to-shoulder. Friendship begins, he suggests, when people discover a common interest or passion. It is found when we discover those travelling the same road as us and decide to walk together. So you can see the depiction of, of love is often inward-looking. And a depiction of marriage is often shoulder to shoulder walking down the same road. Now, I'm not saying in marriage it's vitally important that actually these aren't mutually exclusive, that actually in marriage you should have both of these, that we should be friends with our spouse. We should be walking that same road with our spouse. But what I would say is it's really important that married people recognise the need for close friendships outside of the marriage that you're not putting all of the burden of, um, of your hopes and dreams and aspirations on one person. It's not necessarily fair to do that. It means that if you did do that and times uh, were, were difficult and you wanted to talk to someone about it that wasn't, shouldn't necessarily be your spouse, that actually you have someone else there uh, for you. So it's important that typically would be someone of the same sex, the same gender, as you as well. And it's always healthy within a a relationship, within a marriage, that it can be quite inward-looking to actually, we should be inwardly looking to Christ, um, sorry, I've lost my notes. Um, So healthy Christian marriage do not exclusively look inward, but are fueled by looking up to Christ and strengthened by looking out to others to both give and receive. So in developing close friendships, we need to be very careful that we don't um, create a, a clique as well. We don't sit in a group, a holy huddle, and that's it. No one else is allowed in, but that's it. We actually need to be very focused on actually letting people become our friends as well, not just getting your friends and no one else is allowed. There's a really important message that we need to be real to one another. So there can be situations within church particularly, particularly a pastoral crisis occurs. A question that's often asked is, who are their friends? Who could have, who could have been there to stop it? Who could have been there to, to stop this deterioration in this situation? The sad thing is, the answer sometimes is no one. That's a really hard thing. No one allowed them to get close to understand what they were living through, to understand their situation. We must be prepared as a people to open ourselves up, to, to lift our mask, as it were. We need to be prepared to open ourselves up to our friends, to be honest and real. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12 to 15, we must rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. But how are we going to do that if we don't know what's going on in each other's lives? How are we going to know when to mourn? How are we going to know when to rejoice if we don't, aren't open with each other? There's a really hard-hitting truth that Paul Tripp writes in his book, Broken Down House. It'll be on screen here. I'll read it. We live in an interwoven networks of terminally casual relationships. We live with the delusion that we know one another, but we really don't. We call our easygoing, self-protective, and often theologically uh, 
platitudinous conversations. I knew as soon as I wrote that, I wouldn't be able to say that. Platitudinous conversations, fellowship. But they seldom ever reach the threshold of true fellowship. We know that cold demographic uh, details about one another, married or single, type of job, number of kids, general location of housing, etc. But we know little about their struggle in faith that is waged every day behind the well-maintained personal boundaries. One of the things that still shocks me in counselling, even after all these years, is how little I often know about people I have counted as true friends. I can tell you how many times in talking with people, uh, talking with friends who have come to me for help that I have been hit with details of difficulty and struggle far beyond anything I would have predicted. Privatism is not just practiced by a lonely unbeliever, but it is rampant in the church as well. We often give off an aura of self-reliance, of um, of being under full under, uh, under full control, and we're often scared of of letting people in, of letting our guard down. We hide behind this well-kept exterior. This isn't an easy thing to do, being vulnerable with one another, to let our mask down. This isn't something you'll do with everyone. I'm not going to ask you all to now share one another with one another, with the whole church, everyone, one at a time in the front of the church. But you will with the one or two, the three or four people who you're very close to. And it's so vitally important. It's so important to be able to build true friendships. It's one way we can truly then rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Now, this is such an important subject that I don't want to gloss over this. And, and I, this is a real practical element to this sermon, that actually this is something you can do within your friendship groups, is you can be honest and open. This is where things like connect groups can help in terms of building those um, relationships, to start to forge those relationships. You, you, you are with other Christians in that context. In Proverbs it says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So we need those friends. We also need to keep our friendships gospel-centered. Graham McDonald says this, there is a certain niceness to a friendship where I can be, as they say, myself. But what I really need are relationships where I am encouraged to be better than myself. Myself needs to grow a little every day. I don't want to be myself, be the self myself I was yesterday. I want to be the myself, developing each day to be more Christ, a Christ-like person. That's our objective in building these friendships. We need friends to remind us of the amazing grace that God has revealed in the gospel of Christ. We need friends to tell us, remind us of the wonderful message of hope that um, the gospel brings. That no matter my dire, how dire my circumstances, no matter how deep my sin, I am a much-loved child of God, completely accepted by him and able to call him Father because of Christ's death for me. And we have received the Holy Spirit that we are new creations and we have his power within us. That we're no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. We need to sharpen each other. We need to remind ourselves of these truths. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus is our brother and our friend. I'd love to end on this passage in 2 Corinthians. 
13, verses 11 to 14. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. The God of love and peace be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I'd love to invite the band back to the front. In a moment, we're going to take communion together. And as we do, let's look to Jesus. Let's look to the perfecter of our faith. Let's engage with the Holy Spirit. And let's actually build communion together. Let's build friendships together. Let's take a challenge in this next week, few weeks, when we new connect groups start. Let's take a challenge to build gospel-centered, true friendships within the church. And actually, we may have friendships that go deeper and longer-lasting than what we saw in the 90s TV series in Friends.